You're listening to The Message from the Hillsborough United Methodist Church, our weekly sermon broadcast available for working around the home, your commute, or wherever God calls you to listen. At some point in your life, you received a gift that you did not appreciate in the moment. It may have been that you didn't know what it was or how much you actually might need it. It may have been something that you didn't understand its value or its beauty until sometime later. It may have been a gift that you got for a birthday or for Christmas, or maybe it wasn't even a a present at all, but rather some feedback that was uncomfortable to hear, but that became a blessing or an answer that you weren't expecting. And probably you've had this experience more than once of a gift that you didn't fully understand its beauty and value until much later. And if you're lucky, if we're lucky, when we recognize the value of that gift, It's not too late to make use of it, to appreciate it, to love it. When I was a kid, we had family friends. Bill and Ethel were their name. We called them Uncle Bill and Aunt Ethel because they were chosen family, although we weren't actually related. And they didn't have any kids of their own, but they had lots of some nieces and nephews and some other friends that were just sort of like their kids and grandkids. And when we would go and visit, they treated my sister and I like we were grandchildren. It was such a joy to get to go to their house. And there was, in the corner of their living room, there was this wooden barrel with a lid. And Uncle Bill would always say, you better check the goodie barrel. Everybody needs to have a goodie barrel in their life. And I'd go over there and there was always some present or some little thing that they had gotten for me and for my sister to share and to enjoy. It was just a gift and it was so fun. Bill had served in World War II. He was in the Navy and served in the European theater. And at one point, at the end of one of those visits, Uncle Bill pulled me aside and said, here, I've got something for you. And what he handed me were the dog tags that he had worn during his time in the Navy. I was seven or eight, maybe nine years old. I knew they were cool military things. I liked Army stuff. And I really liked that they were real, not fake. And I kept them in the cool camouflage wallet that I'd gotten not too long before at a flea market somewhere. I didn't know at the time how personal and meaningful and valuable that gift was. I would take them out and I would look at them and I would try to read the the embossed 
writing of his name and his blood type, and I think it even said what his religion was on those dog tags. But I had no sense of how significant that gift was. And because I was a young boy, at some point I lost that gift. And I've never found it since. And for a long time I held out hope that maybe my parents had sort of snuck them out of my room knowing that I didn't appreciate and wasn't taking good care of them and that one day they would say, now that you're older, but they didn't. I just plain lost them. Sometimes if we're lucky, we recognize the value and beauty of a gift before it's too late, but sometimes we don't. And we're left with a sense of loss and even guilt. This passage from Mark's Gospel uh, is uh, the lectionary, the assigned lectionary reading this week. And it's a little bit confusing because it pulls these two stories together that sound very similar of Jesus and the apostles showing up after a boat ride somewhere on the Sea of Galilee and a crowd gathering and Jesus responding to the needs of the crowd. And they are very similar stories, but the way that the reading is set, it cuts out some important sections before and in the middle between those two stories. So let me give you just a bit of context. Just prior to this, Jesus has gathered the 12 apostles and sent them out into the towns and villages to teach and to heal and to cast out demons. And they've come back. And if you hear the very beginning of that passage that Randy read for us, they were telling Jesus about how exciting and how, what good ministry they had done after being sent out and returning. And then Jesus says, great, let's get on a boat. Let's go find some time for quiet away from all the crowds so that you can rest and be restored. But when they land on the shore, people have seen where they were headed. They've gathered from towns and villages, and there's this mass crowd. And Jesus, it says, had compassion for them. The Greek word there means his guts turned upside down. His bowels were moved within him. He was sick to his stomach because he saw how desperately needy these folks were. They were like sheep without a shepherd. They were lost. And so Jesus begins to teach and to gather the crowds. And then the stories that get left out in the lectionary readings are that at the end of that evening, after Jesus has had compassion and taught these crowds, the disciples come to Jesus and they go, look, it's getting late. Send these folks off to go get some dinner so we can be done. Because after all, we were promised some quiet time. But Jesus says, well... There's no place for them to get food. How much do you have? And then the well-known story of the feeding of the crowd of 5,000 happens in that moment. After the crowd has been fed, Jesus says to the apostles, look, get in the boat, take off, I'll see you on the other side. I'm going to disperse the crowd and send them away. Gives them a little time on their own, away from the crowds. Jesus disperses the crowds goes up on a mountain by himself to pray, and in the early morning, the disciples are trying to get to shore, but there's an adverse wind. They're being blown not towards their destination, but away, and they're struggling, and Jesus then goes walking on water and is about to pass them by, and they have the moment, they freak out, and then Jesus says, have you no faith? 
do you not understand? So two very significant, two very well-known stories happen between the first story that Randy read for us and the second one. So the second story happens after the walking on water. The boat lands, and again, there is a crowd that is desperate and in need, and they begin to come to Jesus and the apostles for healing. At the heart of this story is Jesus' compassion for those who have come to him. His not just interest in making sure they're doing well, but a motivation that he has something he has to give them because he can't not care. But compassion is costly. Compassion is costly because it takes something of ourselves and we give it to someone else. For folks who work in fields of care and compassion, counselors, teachers, doctors, nurses, folks who find themselves constantly caring for people who are in need, there is such a thing as compassion fatigue. People who feel a call to their profession of caring for others get to a point where they just have nothing left to give. We're seeing the effects of that in our doctors and nurses and medical professionals. We're going to see that with our teachers and those who work in the fields of education. We're going to see that with folks who are counselors and social workers. After the last year and a half of living in a crisis, in a constant state of crisis and trauma, we're going to see the effects of compassion fatigue on huge parts of our world. Compassion is costly. Because it's not just checking boxes and filling out forms or sending people to the next thing. It's not just teaching one lesson or healing one person or finding the right medication. It is an internal experience of being so distraught by what's wrong in the world that you can't not help. But it takes something out of us when we give ourselves away. Compassion fatigue is a real thing. Which is why when the disciples come back and they're telling Jesus about the work they've done, Jesus says, great, let's go take some retreat space. Let's go find some time away. Let's go be quiet for a bit. And the crowds, when they land, though, are not able to let go of their needs. They're not able to give Jesus some space. And Jesus' compassion again calls him to care for those who are in their midst. It's no wonder to me that after the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus sends his disciples in a boat. And when they see him, they freak out. They panic. They think it's a ghost. And Jesus says, do you not get it? Do you fail to understand? And I'm not surprised by that. Because when we are exhausted, 
when our resources have been depleted, when we have given ourselves away, we're never able to function at our best. We find ourselves angry or irritable or unclear. We find ourselves grumpy. We find ourselves cynical. Here's a good rule of thumb. If you're feeling angry, if you're feeling irrational, if you're feeling like you just don't like anybody and nobody probably likes you, you probably need something to eat, a nice glass of water, and a nap. We see this not just in this moment in the scriptures, but in lots of places. There's a place where Jeremiah is fleeing because he's being persecuted, and he is just like, Lord, I'm done. Might as well kill me. Well, I don't know why you would have caught And Jesus, God says, look, 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 look. I'm going to bring you some water. I'm going to have somebody bring some food. Take a nap. We'll talk about it later. And Jeremiah wakes up after he's eaten. He's feeling refreshed. He's like, okay, fine. Look, it's not so bad. Sometimes we just need cookies. But cookies don't fix compassion fatigue. Cookies don't heal us. What we really need is time to connect with God and with our people. There is no more important practice, I am convinced, for each of us than to have dedicated, committed, contemplative prayer time if not daily, at least several times a week. And it might look a little different for you or for me, but there, it is so important to allow ourselves that silence so that God can connect with us at that deepest, innermost point. Because this life that we are called to is hard and it is costly. The folks who have given so many hours to our work as, with the grocery distribution and with the clothing that we've shared, it has cost them. So for those of you who have made that commitment, who were here every week, who sorted through clothing, who washed clothing, who folded it back up, who got it organized by size. For those of you who received the food that we got from the Oregon Food Bank and the donations that came from other places. For those of you who went shopping week after week after week. For those of you who greeted our neighbors as they came every Tuesday. For those of you who looked in the eyes of those hungry families. You have been the hands and feet of Christ in such a powerful way. And I hope and pray for you that you have found times of respite and quiet and healing. Because compassion is costly. But the things that we give others that are most important, that are most meaningful, that are most likely to make a difference in their lives and in the world are costly. 
you know that sometimes when we get invited to a party or we remember at the last minute that a friend's birthday is tomorrow, like you can come up with some good gifts at the last minute. But it's not the last minute gifts that usually make the most impact. It's the ones that are personal and sometimes even the ones that are costly. I have no idea what it was that motivated Uncle Bill to give me those dog tags. But he did. And I don't suspect that it was just a spontaneous spur-of-the-moment thing like, oh, these old things? Well, why don't you take them? It was a costly gift. It was a one-time gift. Giving of ourselves does deplete us. That's why it's so important to find times of silence and rest and restoration. When I was a kid, I used to think of Sundays as being so god-awfully boring. <laughs> My parents would get me up in the morning and drag me to church, and this guy would just talk and talk and talk, and oh, and I'd have to sit there and be still-ish, quiet-ish. And then after worship, there would be time when we would hang out with all the people and my parents would drink coffee and just talk about, like, I don't know, boring adult stuff. And I would be so bored. And my parents were always the last ones to leave. We would often walk out with the pastor and his family as they were locking up the building. And then we would go home, and a lot of times there was not much happening on Sunday. I didn't recognize it for the gift that it was, but I do now. Many of us have experienced the idea of Sabbath as an imposition, as an obstacle, as a set of rules that we're called to follow. And we've thrown that out. But the older I get, the more I recognize the value in Sabbath. Not just a little bit of quiet time, but a day, a day, a day each week. When we carve out space for ourselves, for our family, for our friends, where we set aside the to-do lists and the tasks, and we let ourselves just be so that we are restored and refreshed. Look, I know that it's almost impossible to carve out a whole day of Sabbath. But I am pretty sure that most of us can make more Sabbath time than we take. It doesn't have to be just sitting at home being bored, twiddling your thumbs, waiting for Monday to get here so we can finally get something done. Sabbath is intended as a gift from God to us so that the difficult journey of life that we are called to, so that the life of compassion and generosity that we are called to, so that loving others as we love ourselves 
doesn't become a burden that is unbearable. Sabbath gives us those, that rest and respite and that time away that we need so that we can be the people that God has called us to be. Psalm 23 uses the language of sheep and shepherd, and we almost all know it nearly by heart, if not word for word. And it begins with those images of the shepherd leading the sheep to green pastures and to quiet, beautiful waters, providing for the needs of the sheep as a shepherd does. But so many of us, in our worst moments, find ourselves in green pastures and beside still waters, and instead we're busy with our lists of things to do. God gives us opportunities to be refreshed and restored. God's desire for us is to be refreshed and restored and renewed, to have life and to have it abundantly and beautifully. Because if we don't partake of the good gifts of God in our lives, we don't have much to give to others. If you want to live with compassion in this world, you have to find compassion for yourself. You have to receive the compassion that God offers us. And you have to be willing to receive it. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. You can lead a sheep to green pastures. You can't make them eat. You can lead a disciple into a time of Sabbath and restoration, but you can't make them be still. Find Sabbath. Find practices that sustain and nurture you because it is costly to be compassionate. And we don't get the choice of whether we're called to be compassionate or not. Take care of yourselves and of your families and your friends so that you can be fed and filled. Because there are crowds out there, brothers and sisters, who are hungry, who are lonely, who are hurting who need healing and wholeness and hope. And we are called to be the ones who are sent to those crowds. There are more people who are in need of the connection that we have to offer than ever before in our lifetime. This is the moment for which the church is made. We are called to be Christ's hands in our community. And we can only do that when we receive the gifts that God has to offer us. We are called, brothers and sisters, to live lives of compassion and care for ourselves, for our family, for our community. And when we receive the gifts that God offers, we are able to share those gifts with others. That's how it seems to work. And that, my friends, is the good news. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening to the message from Hillsborough United Methodist Church. Our senior pastor is Clay Andrew. Our pastor for Las Naciones Hispanic Ministries is Jorge Rodriguez. Our media ministers are Kevin Proctor, Janica Stewart, Perry Hume, Al Dietrich, Christy Proctor, and 
day for us. Presently, our live stream of services are available at 10 a.m. on the Hillsborough United Methodist Church YouTube page. You can find out more, like us on Facebook, or subscribe to our YouTube at hillsboroughumc.org. Thank you.